Welcome to the Monsters and Treasure Podcast, where we talk way too long about a subject and just give you the best parts. I'm Daniel Norton, here as always with Kara King of D&D Homebrew. How are you doing there, KR? Just wondering how I found myself in this hick town. Get a GPS. You know, Daniel, one of the things about running a camp, D&D campaign and trying to come up with a world is where you get inspiration from it. And as you know, I like to play the sort of frontier campaign, low magic, uh, not a lot of settlements, they're very small. And part of that is I'm often inspired when I go through a small town in a remote area in the real world, because I find that it, curiously, even though there's way fewer people, not as much going on there, it's almost richer in a way than some huge megatropolis because it's self-contained, right? Here is this town with a very small, everyone knows each other. No one really comes through there very often, or maybe it's along a, a major road that you know, it's a way station for that, the classic, you know, in, you know, at the end of the day. But oftentimes it has the quality of a town that there used to be a mine that was thriving here or something, or the highway, you know, bypassed it. Now it's this sort of dying town or whatever. And I've always thought in D&D, you know, the, the, the small town, when you go through one in real life, think about what would this be in a D&D setting, right? How, how, and you'd be at travelers would come through here, or they would only go for a specific reason. And here's this out-of-the-way place. And if you stop there, there's information about the old, you know, mine or the mysterious waterfall or whatever. And it's so self-contained with, you know, you only have a few levels of people. It's easy to conceive of. It's easy to set up in terms of like a battle map or something. So I think it's just it's just curious to me that here's this really small environment, but in many ways for a D&D setting, it's a very rich environment. Yeah, I think you make a good point there. I think that if you look, I mean, where I am, kind of uh, north of New York City, more or less. I mean, I'm not in a completely remote area, but, you know, I have kind of that feel around me. And then I also have the New York City. And, and like, if you go into Manhattan, right, and you go into the coffee shop, you're one of 50 people that are coming in and out of there. And, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to, I mean, not that I'm saying people aren't friendly, but it's like, it's just a different thing. They don't necessarily know the person that lives four blocks over because it's just, there's too many people, right? The chance that they'll actually know the thing you need is so much smaller, was if you go to a small town and you go to, you know, again, the, the little diner or whatever that's there, there the, all the people sitting there are the people that come every morning, which is, a, you know, kind of my town. There's a little uh, diner that's there. And when you sit down, you see the same people all the time. You know, the, the guy cooking the food, he's, hey, he calls you by name, you know, and you know people. And if you see, oh, you come into this place and they can see, oh, okay, you're strangers, you know, but then if you if you get friendly with them, they're going to know who these people are that did this or, oh, yeah, something weird's going on. It's just easier to com comprehend how a D&D &D world is if you've been in towns like that, because that's how we generally run D&D &D towns, right? We don't, I mean, unless you're running like Waterdeep or something, you're generally running that kind of thing, right? That's the classic D&D. &D. You go into the thing, the bartender talks to the strangers, there's a handful of locals around that are, you know, a blacksmith and a, you know, whatever. And, and that's kind of uh, the vibe that we run. But many of us in the world don't live in towns like that, right? We live in uh, more populated, even suburbs, where it's not quite that, right? Like in a suburb where everybody has their quarter acre of land or half acre. I'm, I'm not good with measurements. But, you know, they have that acre of land with the, the, the uh, lawn in the front. And, you know, you see your neighbors as they drive by and you wave to them, you know, and you go to the PTA meeting. You're not – you're still not as connected as you are in a small town, where people are walking to places and just like, uh, and like you say, like they kind of know each other. There's like five houses, you know, <laughs> in some of them. Well, there's an interesting um, sociological study they did about the anonymity of cities was very comfortable for people who were from a small town and didn't like the stifling, 
you know, yeah. everyone knows who you are. Everyone knows your business, right? And so you'd go to a large city and you'd be anonymous and you could be whoever you wanted to be. And then as that developed, the anonymity became crushing because no one cares about whether you live or die. You're lying in your apartment building and no one knows, you know, what happened because no one cares about you in that way. And the thing about the small town environment, too, is it lends itself to weirdness, right? To, you know, the haunted the house, the old master's house at the end of the thing that's now decrepit or whatever. And people still live there because they've always lived there. Some people have moved away, but it's sort of this dying town. And it lends itself to sort of out of the way stuff that could happen only in a small town where there's no authorities there or the authorities are just entrenched in this. I don't know. I know it's incestuous or sort of, you know, everyone's cooperating with everyone else. And we just don't talk about the old mansion anymore. We just pretend right. it doesn't exist. You know, there's no authority. Anonymous authorities come along and say, well, I want this land up here. What's going on with this ruined castle? And they're going to bulldoze it or whatever. So again, in terms of like secrets, in terms of like um, curses or things that uh, we just don't speak of those things, but it still has an overwhelming effect. It's harder to imagine that, although I think if you're creative, you could, of a of that sort of thing happening in downtown New York City, you know, somewhere like that right. in New York or whatever. Now, again, as I'm well, saying this, of course, I'm thinking, but but you could, <laughs> you know, well, you know the, what was it? The Collier <laughs> mansion where the two brothers lived there. It was in Harlem, I think, and they were crazy and everything and they were found in their dead. So, but still the small town just has so much rich uh, opportunities for, I think for all the reasons you said, everybody knows everybody else. And once you go there and do something, if you help somebody out in a small town, they're going to tell, oh, these guys are okay. The guy helped me out here. Suddenly, you they, they all have inner relationship with, with each other as opposed to total anonymity. Right. And, and as you were talking about that, I'm thinking to myself that it, so you can really think about how you want to run your campaign, right? So if we think about, I believe it's in Waterdeep, the the hole, the, the well thing where the maze. The, the yawning the, portal, right. The yawning portal, right. So now you have this situation where it's kind of, oh, we're adventurers and we have gold and we're going to pay to go down to this thing and drink ale and slay the monsters, which is a much different vibe uh, than adventurers hearing rumors that out in the lands where people used to live, there was a, uh, you know, a, a mansion or a, uh, let's say a tower of a wizard that got struck by lightning and nobody goes there anymore because the locals are scared of it, scared of it. It's like you're more likely to find something interesting and more kind of atmospheric there because you're going to show up in town and they're going to be like, don't go there. Don't go there, you know, and it may be for lots of reasons, right? It could be because there's a cult or something. Maybe they are really afraid of it. You know, maybe something's like that. And it just, it does set the vibe of your fantasy when you think about where you want to place things, right? If something's in a big town, like if there's a large city and there's a dungeon really close to it, like there's got to be some kind of trade, right? That happens there, right? You've got to have like, you know, the, 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 uh, the Undertaker, like in a Western, right? <laughs> like the Undertaker is always the busiest person, right? Because there was always shootouts, right? And, and you've got, you, you know, your people selling like rope for like triple the price. And, you know, like because now there's this like weird economy around this idea that there's a dungeon there, right? And people are selling access to it and this and that. Whereas if you want more of a, we're out here on our own. And if one of our party members gets injured, there's no, you know, cleric uh, society back in town that's just going to heal everybody. Like we're here and if we didn't bring the right supplies, if we didn't do this, then we're not going to survive. But because we're the first ones to come here, there might be riches untold that nobody's seen in hundreds of years because nobody comes here. Well, there's two things there. One, I have this keep of Niz that's in this tower that was destroyed in my current 
in-person campaign. And the players just are they're afraid. They're at seventh level and they're still not ready to go to this keep and is. And I'm thinking, you know, I had a first level that you could have handled just fine or second. I mean, it, it, when you get down to I have the classic mega dungeon mm-hmm. that I created, but but they've heard these, you know, and the people that live, no one lives out there. And there's kind of these weird uh, people that have these huts that do like fishing along the coast and everything. It's very primitive. Um, but the other thing that you talked about, I never liked the water, the beyonding portal concept of selling things. Cause I'm always like, why are the monsters not just coming out of this? I mean, right. you can always excuse that thing with Hallister just says, no, they can't do that. But so there's always this mega guy um, creating a uh, folding out the edges of verisimilitude and suspension of disbelief, right? He's, he just, he can do anything, but it is like, it would be exploited. Yeah. In a big city, they'd be like, visit the lost caverns and they'd have their selling of rope and it'd be like a carnival atmosphere. You'd have food trucks out there and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, It doesn't lend itself to mystery to, you know, uh, and, and as you said, the other thing is, the first to discover something. This is a classic thing that we did from the very beginnings of D&D. There's been an earthquake and a hole is opened up. You go down in the hole and there's a chamber and there's a long lost dungeon and you realize we're the first, you know? So again, if you had monsters that had to get there, were other entrances that no one knew about so that monsters could get down in there and live, or they're all just constructs and things that don't gargoyles and things like that. Right. Or they can live underground, right? Eating mushrooms. I mean, you can figure out a way to make that work. And and what's interesting about that is that, again, this small town didn't necessarily build up around this place. They just happened to be there because you're still going to put your small town there because you do want that, like, for lack of a better word, point of light. Right. You You don't necessarily want the characters to be traveling out into the wilderness endlessly to go to this thing. I mean, it depends on the system you're playing, but like, let's say in an OSR game. If they travel two weeks to get to this location, they're not going to be able to maintain that, right? They're going to have to set up some kind of encampment eventually. So having a small town somewhere halfway or whatever where they can actually go back and and they'll have you know, maybe the maybe they don't have a lot of resources there, but at least there's a place where that they, they feel somewhat safe. You know, it, it, it's a it's a good and again that's what you'd have, right? You're traveling and this happens in horror movies a lot. <laughs> it's funny to get to think of, yeah. you know you're traveling and you get lost and it's like oh here's a small town you know and it's like oh yeah we don't you know. Like what I often do in my uh, my games when I have these small towns, I don't even have inns. What I'll do is I'll be like the farmer will let you sleep in the barn, you know, and then eat with them if you if you give them a few gold or whatever, you know, or coppers or whatever it would be in the world. Because I feel like that's even better. As soon as you establish an inn in this town, you, that means people have gone there, right? So I like the idea of it not even being a place where there's anywhere where you could actually stay. It's just hospitality. In fact, my group in my card game just went to a, a village of werebears and that's exactly it. They don't have an inn at the village of Werebears. <laughs> you know, they set up a large table in the center of the square and had a feast because they came uh, bring gifts and stuff. And that's how they did it because there's no inn there. They basically slept in their their tents and you know, or with the with the bears and their you know in their in their own houses. They gave them places to stay. Yeah, and if you look at westerns, all those guys on the cattle drives just put blankets out. And they had a fire mm-hmm. going, and they kept that fire going all night. There would be people that because it was cold, you know, so they would oh, yeah. keep it. They weren't worried necessarily. I mean about a fire attracting things or whatever. But, and as you said, the beauty of having a setup, not just for, for like supplies or whatever, when you go to some lost dungeon keep or whatever is information about it, you know, rumors that are heard. Uh, And then the classic, no room at the inn as a phrase was from when people were traveling. Oftentimes there'd be no room at the inn and you'd sleep in the stables. You'd sleep in your cart under your cart, if it was fully laden, there were people that they put stuff on on there on the sides. Uh, people did this all the time in pre, you know, 18th century, maybe into the 19th. And 
that was just the way it was. If you were a traveler, if you were a traveling person, that's why they had carts where they could sleep in them because a peddler, because oftentimes there'd either be no room at the inn, there was no inn, or I don't want peddlers at my inn type thing. So right. it's, a, it's a very, um, you know, rustic, rough and tumble kind of thing. And to me personally, it's always been my favorite kind of D and have run city adventures that are fun uh, we, we all tried it over the years and we had some fun sewer type adventures, which is kind of just a dungeon kind of thing, but going out into the world and some small town at the edge of some vast expanse was always really fun. And you can actually see those in real life and get back to what we started this with right. and kind of think about what would this be at a D and D setting, the middle of the, some desert at the foot of some mountains in the mountains, you know, uh, the edge of some swamp or whatever, some desolate coastline. What's that vibe for D and D? And it's it's containable too. Yeah, you know, it, this is this is kind of a little bit of a, a, a an aside or a, a slightly different. Is I would now just suddenly thinking about like you could do this where like you have like monks, right? Because you mentioned mountains, like where there's a small temple right at the top of a mountain, and there's only the ha- a dozen monks that live up there to scribe scrolls or look at the stars or whatever. And you're going to go there to get information. So again, it's a small uh, area that that is. It's got to, again. It's the same kind of deal, right? Small group of people. It's out of the way. Doesn't see a lot of things. Maybe they would trade you for information. So any of these small things, I think, is just. I think to to, to refer to the city thing. I feel like a city thing's a whole other thing. Like when you do a city adventure, like I never do like dungeons under the city. Like if I do a city adventure, it's interacting with nobility and politics and stuff like that. That's how I run cities generally. And the adventure is in the outskirts, kind of in the small towns, in the dungeons. Because I just feel like if there were dungeons under the city, that again, there's so many people, you think they would just be exploring it and they'd exploit it somehow and you wouldn't be able to. It just doesn't feel right to me. So I've never really done that. But I know it's a popular thing. I've done sewer systems and things like mm-hmm. that. And I've done, you go into this rabbit warren of the, the slum or something. Again, right. not usually in the upper class area. You're not right. going to be having battles and stuff because the town guard is going to come and go, what is going on here? You know, it's just just like in real life, you know, you mm-hmm. want to have a shootout in a city. If you're looking for one, go to a bad area, not the richest area in town. Right. Um, the other thing that you were told... Oh, for our listeners out there, check out Name of the Rose, that movie with Sean Connery, where he's a monk in 1300 and there's this uh-huh. series of murders and he goes to investigate. And the set design of this remote, it's in the Italian Alps, and you have this castle, this monk's castle. And then they have the villagers that live around the castle that kind of, they live off the garbage that these guys throw out of the castle. Umberto Eco, the famous writer, Italian writer, researched this. So he researched how did they, and these people would gather at the foot of these castles and live off the garbage. And oh, so, so interesting. Um, it's, it's just a, it, it, check out that movie because the, the, you'll see it, this remote and all these monks have this bizarre, you know, weird life that they lead as these, you know, celibate monks and all that kind of stuff. So it's really fascinating. And it is a great, you watch this and you go, this is a total D and D setting. Yeah, just the idea with the small, whether it be small towns or like a temple somewhere or like just even a little like a, a hermit or a little settlement that's spung up or, a, uh, you know, you know a, a trading post on a long caravan route. These areas are going to be easier to create, right, as as a dungeon master because you don't need as much to do it. And they're going to be like obvious, right? If you go to a city, it's like, OK, where do I go to get information? 
right? But here at the trading post, there's just one building. <laughs> or, you know, it's like right. the, the farmer that's like in the middle of nowhere. It's like there is the farmer and their family. There's a barn you can sleep in. You're going to have dinner with them. That's where you can put information. Well, how much they know, whatever, is up to you. But that's like a good way to put a place where it's easier, in a sense, for the player characters to know, okay, this is somebody we can talk to. Whether or not, again, they don't have to know stuff, which doesn't have to be that obvious. But the idea that like they're not just going, uh, I don't know what to do. It's like there's a farmer. What do you want to do? I mean, you could do any number of things, I guess. But please don't go kill the farmers. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, the murder cool. hobo. I, you're not going to yeah. give us information. I send him through. Even if you go to the tavern in the small town and they don't want to talk about something, it's clear that they don't want to talk about the ruined house or the tower at the hill. Right. There still might be one person who runs out after them and says, "Hey, I happen to know," you know, or the little child that says, "My father went there and disappeared, and no one wants to talk about it, and I don't understand why they're not these adults are not talking about this." And you say, "Well, what is the story?" And, but it's from a little kid's perspective, right? right? But there's always ways to give the sense of this mystery that they're all because again, in a big city, nothing gets they would just be explored. It would just be investigated. It would just be done. But in a small town, someone goes to this tower and disappears and everyone else just says, that's what happens when you do that. We're not going to talk about it because we're not supposed to talk about it. It's believable. It's conceivable. It's, it makes sense to have this mystery here where, and so that's why it's such a great environment to me. And it's, like I said, that's almost counterintuitive. Smaller it is, the richer the environment for storytelling. <laughs> yeah, I agree. 100%. So start small, stay small. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear your voice on the show, give us a call. You can find all the ways to do that in the show notes. If you'd like to see more RPG content from us, you can find us both on YouTube. Daniel at Bandit's Keep and myself at D&D Homebrew. These are also linked in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, please give us a rating, ideally on Apple Podcasts, as it helps the show be seen by more people. And we'll see you next week.